0: this message is brought to you by 12 stone church pastor jason berry delivers the teaching entitled one truth this is the fourth message in the series do something please enjoy
1: So, welcome to 12 Stone and week four of our Do Something Good series, where we're talking about and encouraging our church to live sent. You see, across this series, we're trying to stoke the fires inside the soul of this church to be a church that lives sent, that, that, that is bigger than just us. We're here to live sent. And I know in a church this size, it gets really easy to sort of be a wallflower and to just sort of blend into the wall and just show up and hang out and disappear. And, and we think God wants to remind you, all of you, that you are called by God to live sent in this world, that that you weren't designed to stand on the sidelines of the kingdom of God, that you were designed to be in the game and to be in what God is doing here and in in our territory here. In fact, we've been using this verse in John 17 throughout the series. This is Jesus talking to us. Heavenly Father, as you have sent me, Jesus, into the world, I have sent them, that's you, into the world. You are sent. You are sent by Jesus and in great part, that's why we're postponing services next weekend and we're saying we're not gonna gather for service, we're gonna scatter and be the church all across this territory. Whether you're mowing someone's lawn or whether you're fixing a single mom's sink, whatever you're doing next weekend to live sent, we are inviting you to go be the church. But there's a tension in this, right? See, we say live sent. In fact, we're inviting you to use the hashtag live sent next week. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're going to be, use that hashtag live sent so we can see what each other's doing across the, the live sent weekend. But there's a, there's a tension in play. In fact, we've used this drawing throughout the series. We, we know that God's called us to live sent, to be about more than just ourselves. But there's a part of all of us that likes to live for self, isn't there? Can, can we be honest? I, I like me. Can anyone else be honest? There's moments where you're selfish. Raise your hand. You're a liar. We all have moments where we live for self, where it's just easier and more fun to be about me than to, than to die to self and live for some other people, right? It's complicated. This played out for me about two weeks ago. I I had carved out two or three hours in the morning to write and prepare this teaching. So I'm in Live Send, I'm diving into this teaching and I spent two or three hours, lost track of time. I looked at my watch and went, oh no, I'm gonna be late for for my meeting. So I I jumped in the car, I mean, I gassed it, I'm going as fast as as I legally can, police officers, just right at that speed limit mark, and I, I'm flying, I, I, gotta, I gotta get in here, I'm already late, and then uh, the light comes up on my dashboard and says my front right tire is really low. It always, ha- doesn't it always happen like this? You're like, come on, I'm, so I, I had to pull into a gas station and I pull up to the air pump and I started filling my tire, got it all filled up, ready to go, I'm ready to get out of here and it's about the time I'm leaving that a, a big old Buick pulls up to the other side of the air pump and this older lady's sitting in there and I know what she's gonna do, and God knows what she's gonna do, and I know what I wanna do. I'm a good pastor, but I'm late, so I look at the ground, and I'm... Don't judge me, this is a safe place, come on now. So anyway, back to my story. I look at the ground, and I'm gonna make this old lady fill her own car up. So I I walk to my car, and I wanna get out of there because I'm late, and then the Spirit of God sort of arrests me in that moment and goes, what have you been writing for the last three Hours! You've been writing about live set and you're gonna let this poor light. So I said, fine. So begrudgingly, I went to her window and she rolled it down. I said, are you here to fill your tires up? She said, yeah. I said, would you let me do that for you? She said, no, you're fine, just go. I'm gonna be honest. I was like, okay, see you later. I was ready, I was, (laughs) I was on my way. Like she gave me permission. I said, no, no, I need to lean in. So I I said, "Uh, which, which, the sensor, your light's on, right? She said, yes, I said, which tire is it? She said, my car doesn't tell me which tire. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to fill up all four of them in the name of Jesus. So, so I, I got the air pump out and I went tire by tire and it's like, we're good. And now I, I'm really late. So I head right back to my car again. I start the car, I'm ready to leave and I look over and she's got that look, look in her dashboard, like the light's still on. And I'm like, God, I, I, I want to love Jesus, but I got to get out. Fine. So I get back out. Is your light still on? Yep. The light's still on. Let me go check your tires. Again, so I went around the tires again and finally got things straight. She left, she thanked me and I left. I look back on that moment. Can I just be honest with you? I look back on that moment, a little bit embarrassed. I was shocked by how quickly my mind went to the question, how fast can I get out of this situation? How fast can I I look like I'm living sent but not not have the cost associated with it? See, live sent has a cost associated with it. You know that, right? See, I wanna look sin, I don't wanna live sin. When, I, when, when we say live sin, the reality is I, I don't love the cost that's associated with living sin. I discovered this about myself. I don't naturally like to sacrifice for other people. It's not natural to me yet that when I see some, some, a need somewhere that I just go, die to self, let's do this. I, my mind starts to drift back to live sin and it, it's disturbing. It, here, here's what I realized. If we're gonna take serious this call to live sin, If we're going to make this more than just a t-shirt we wear that looks pretty good and become part of the DNA of this church, we're going to be inconvenienced a lot more than I probably realized. We're going to be late to more meetings than I probably realized. You see, our calendar is going to get displaced. Our savings accounts are going to look different. Our comfort is going to get shaken. See, our lives are going to look different if we choose to actually live sent. It's going to cost us something. See, but what I look at in my life is a big inconvenience. I'm 20 minutes late to a meeting. My day has been all messed up. The New Testament church looks at that and goes, what? That's just, that's, that's nothing. That's normal. The New Testament church lived sent to a degree that I don't think we understand. In fact, let, the, the, the life of Paul is a life marked by sacrifice. See, in Acts 20, Paul is saying goodbye to his friends at the church of Ephesus. Here's what he says. And now, compelled by the Spirit... I am going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Whoa. That's a different level. Like maybe you're different than me. I don't ever leave my house and tell my wife, bye honey, I'm going to work. Just know that prison and hardships are facing me. It it could be a bad day. That's not in my vocabulary. I'm like, I might have to fill up an older lady's tires. That's as bad as it gets for me, right? But you look at the life of Paul and you go, he's leaving his friends and leaving the safety and comfort of his life and he's going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I have a sense in my soul that it's going to be costly. It's going to be hard. You see, here's the one truth if you're taking notes. Here's the one truth we have to know about living sin. Sacrifice is at the core of living sin. So we we gotta get honest about this. Sacrifice is at the core of living sin. See, if we're going to live sin as a church, we're gonna have to have our comfort level of sacrifice, our comfort level with sacrifice grow. We gotta get used to the fact that God's gonna, God's gonna call us places that are gonna cost us. But we hear the word sacrifice and it feels like a real, like extremely just just a biblical word, sacrifice. Very staunch word, right? The reality is I've never known someone who doesn't know how to sacrifice. Y'all know how to sacrifice. Y'all know how to sacrifice a good night's sleep to stay up and finish one more episode of that Netflix show you're watching, right? Some of y'all are sleeping right now because you did that last night. We know how to sacrifice. Man, we we know how to sacrifice a whole Saturday morning to squeeze in a round of golf, don't we? It's funny how we can find time to sacrifice for the things we want. You see, there's a lot of dog fans that like to sacrifice a whole Saturday and a whole lot of money to drive all the way to Athens and see Tennessee get whooped. It was a good day yesterday. Y'all know how to sacrifice for stuff that you want. Sacrifice is not hard when it's the stuff that you want in your life. You know how to sacrifice. The question is, how do we sacrifice for things that we don't necessarily want yet? I think God wants to compel us like he compelled Paul to the things that are on his heart, not just to the things that are on our heart. So you look at Paul and go, so Paul, you're sacrificing all this. Why in the world would you do that? Paul sort of gives us a hint in the very next verse as to why he would sacrifice this in Acts 20, verse 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus had given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. See, if you know the story of Paul, you know that he was the chief of all sinners. One of the worst dudes on the planet. And then he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, blinded by the light. His life was changed in an instant. See, God changed his heart, and then God stirred his heart. God stirred his heart that he had experienced the grace of God in his life that changed him so drastically that his heart changed and was stirred that there should be no one else on this earth that doesn't have the uh, the ability to hear of the grace that Jesus offers, the forgiveness Jesus offers, so his heart was changed. You see, listen, when God stirs your heart, sacrifice is a natural response. Listen to me, when, when God stirs your heart to something, sacrifice is the natural response. See, what sits underneath sacrifice is love. See, when God stirs my heart, he gives me a love for people I didn't have before, and my willingness to sacrifice increases. See, I talked to 12 stoners all over the place, that they're, they're trying to figure out what does LiveScent look like in their world? How would LiveScent look in their world? I got a friend who, who he felt like God was asking him and his wife to sell their house in a suburb, a nice house in a nice suburb, and to move into a lower-income apartment complex because there's a bunch of people there that weren't being reached for Jesus, and he, he moved in that ac- apartment complex. Why would someone sacrifice the dream of living in a nice suburb and the picket fences and the neighborhood pool to go live in a low-income apartment complex? because God stirred their heart for those people, and so when he stirs, you sacrifice. See, I talk to teachers all the time. That school gets out, they're done for the day, they're exhausted, it's three o'clock, go home, catch your breath, and they stay. And they mentor, and they pour in to the students who don't have the parental involvement they need at home. Why, because God stirs in their heart, and when God stirs, you sacrifice. See, the same is true for God. Did you know this? God's heart was stirred for you. Listen to me. God's heart was stirred for you. And when God's heart was stirred for you, what did he do? Sacrifice. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you because God's heart was stirred for you. The natural response when your heart is stirred for something or someone is to sacrifice. But what if... What if on the cross, Jesus didn't just give his life for us? What if Jesus was modeling life for us? What if Jesus didn't just give his life for us so we'd be freed from from sin and freed from death, but what if he was actually modeling what our lives as, as followers of Jesus should look like? What if he was modeling? In fact, in his own words, here's what what Jesus says in Matthew 16. This is him talking to the church now. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, that sounds a lot like live self and moving to live sin, and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, it's almost like Jesus is saying that One of the marks of being a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is that that one who would sacrifice. See, it's almost like Jesus is saying, you should be able to spot my disciples because as soon as there's a problem or an issue, they're the first one to line up to sacrifice. You should be able to spot them in a room. But if you let me two minutes to soapbox for a second, what if the big C churches lost this? What if the big C, the the church in general, what if we've lost this mark of being sacrificial people? And what if that's why our voice is losing in culture? What if we're losing our influence in culture because we are more known for our judgment than our sacrifice? Oof. See, I think if you walk downtown Atlanta and asked 100 people, what words come to mind when, you say that, when I say the word Christian? I don't think the top 10 list would have the word sacrifice in it. See, I think Jesus is inviting us as a church to come back to sacrifice. See, I, I think Jesus is inviting us to become the church he envisioned some 2,000 years ago. So how do we come back to that? What does that look like? We don't have to overcomplicate this. I think Jesus gives us small opportunities all the time, every day. For you, it might be you're in work, you're at work, and God stirs your heart for a coworker, and you know you don't have the time, you don't have the energy, and this person just is going to drain you. But you stop in their cubicle, you stop in their office, go, hey. How's it going? And you let them vent, and you let them pour out their life, and you just listen and you pray for them. Those are small moments where we are reclaiming the church that Jesus envisioned 2,000 years ago. It might look as simple as you're leaving the grocery store, and there's someone struggling to load their groceries in the back of their car, and you take two minutes, and you sacrifice two minutes, help them load the groceries. We're winning back the church that Jesus envisioned. Students, you're in the lunchroom, and there's someone sitting by themselves in lunch, and you know they don't have the friends that you have and you sacrifice some popularity and some relational equity you have at school to go be Jesus to that student. Those small moments are where where I think Jesus is gonna win us back to the church he envisioned 2,000 years ago. But I've also discovered this. The most meaningful things in life live on the other side of sacrifice. Do you experience this to be true? Like a healthy marriage over 50 years, there's a lot of sacrifice. I want that marriage. That marriage exists on the other side of sacrifice. Raising godly kids, other side. Getting a degree, God help us, that's the other side of sacrifice. She so was a 12 stone family here last summer and they felt like God was stirring in their heart sort of a love for our student ministry and, and they, had a, they had the knowledge that in our student ministry there's hundreds of kids who don't know Jesus yet. And among those that don't know Jesus, there are many that could never afford to go to camp because they don't have the resources. So God began to stir their heart for that, so they went and approached one of our student pastors, actually right here at the central campus. And they said, listen, we think God's asking us to sacrifice and save up and pay for a complete stranger to go to camp that wouldn't be able to on their own. And so they did, they, they didn't eat out as much, they didn't go to Starbucks as much, they saved up and they paid cash several hundred dollars to, to provide for a kid to go to camp. Well, at the end of the week, they got news that that student was sitting in a service and the gospel was presented, the good news of Jesus was presented, and that kid responded and said yes to Jesus, and they celebrated in that house. Isn't that a beautiful story? The most meaningful things in the kingdom of God exist on the other side of sacrifice. And I wonder, I wonder if we're missing out on the fulfillment of living sent because we're afraid, or unwilling to sacrifice. I wonder... You see, I think what God wants to do is just like Paul in Acts 20, I think God wants to stir our hearts. He wants to invite us to sacrifice and he wants to invite us to live sin. In fact, I want to give you a little picture of this. I want to invite you into a story about a 12 stone couple, normal couple, just like you and I, Stephen and Natalie Malin. They're a couple that just a 10, 12 stone, they're part of serving here. And, and what happened in their life was God started to stir something in their heart. God started to stir something in them and they began to count the cost and weigh the the amount of sacrifice that this was gonna require. And they jumped in and they experienced that the most meaningful things in life live on the other side of sacrifice. Enjoy the next 10 minutes of Stephen and Natalie Malin's story.
2: I'm Stephen Malin.
0: I'm Natalie Malin. And we currently have three foster kids. I don't really know if there was like a particular day. I just remember um, just kind of driving in my car and just thinking, you know, about wanting to expand our family. But for Steven, he um, hasn't really, he hadn't really been around a lot of kids. And so his, our thoughts were like, let's let's try to have our own and then we can screw up them before we start screwing up other kids. Um, but there was there was a lot of like complications and um, just dealing with infertility on my side.
2: This is something that she longed for so badly to be a mother, but we were just struggling through asking God why and why do we have to wait so long and why do we why can't we have this now?
0: There was like a, just a day in Nove- um, November of 2017. I just remember like the Holy Spirit like kind of just prompting me to like stay home. Um, and just kind of spend time with Him because I just felt like we were wandering.
2: So after I came home from church, I saw Natalie there at home and she had a glow about her. It was very obvious that she had just spent time with God and she specifically asked me again about fostering. I had a lot of questions and I had a whole lot of uh, confusion, but I knew in that moment that that was a specific Voice of God moment that He asked us to be obedient, and it was now our decision uh, to walk in that obedience. The first one who
0: gets You're talented. Do you know that? Yes, you are. Yes. What? By the time that Stephen had gotten home from church, I had a list, and I had like I figured out when the next informational meeting was. I figured out when the big training was. And so he comes home and just presents the idea and he's like, okay, let's, we'll walk down this road. I'm like, perfect, next week we're going to this training. And then a couple of weeks later, we're going to this training and I was all in. Like, you probably could find me like, you know, shopping on Ikea for like a crib.
2: Yeah, going into that meeting, I specifically prayed that God would make it undoubtedly clear that by the end of this meeting, we would know for sure if God is calling us to step into foster care, or if this was not something that we were supposed to do.
0: How we get done with the meeting, and it was kind of like information overload, so we're like, okay, let's go get lunch, pull into the parking lot of where we're gonna eat lunch, and he just starts sobbing. Mm -hmm. And it was a sob that like, I mean, after a couple of years of being married, I had never seen this. It was like this true, like brokenness for like God's children. And it was also awkward (laughs) because I'm just like, I didn't know what to do because I, when I get excited about something, I obviously don't cry. I laugh and I just get super joyful. And he shows that emotion. So I just didn't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, like, can I go and run laps around the car while you like (laughs) let this out? And he's just like, no, just sit here with me. And I'm like, okay. i'm just like sitting there like rocking in my seat and he's just crying and i'm laughing and i'm just like okay jesus you're so good and he's just like jesus you're so good
2: my biggest motivation and my biggest prayer to god was what is my capacity what is our capacity as a family you've blessed us with a house and you've blessed us with empty rooms that we don't even use. And so God continually put this number of two on our hearts because we had these two empty rooms that that we knew that God was going to fill. We're gonna have two kids by Christmas.
0: So we get a phone call about a little boy who was in the hospital and um, either he was going to be released like that day or the next day. And um, we're like, okay, yes. Like, yes, I don't care about anything else. Baby, he's breathing. Yes. And so we um, get him the next day and like in the process of getting prepared for baby number one, um, we get another phone call and it's like, hey, we have a two week old. Do you want it? Yes. Like, yes, breathing, give me baby number two. And so within um, 24 hours, we got two infants, a three-month-old and a two-week-old. The two-week-old was brought to our house like Christmas Eve morning. So by Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, like we had our two babies and-
2: Best Christmas gift ever. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And our lives have never been the same. (laughs) Or it's quiet. (laughs)
2: But just two months later in February, 2018, I remember that we were finally going on a date night with the babies, of course. Uh, And we were at a restaurant and we got a call from our placing agency. Our house was already maxed out. They knew not to call us, but they called us anyway. And they said, hey guys, we have an emergency placement. We have two girls, they're sisters, ages nine and 10 and they just got taken from their home, very serious situation, and they need a place to stay for the night. What do you think about that? So we said, all right, let's talk for a second. We'll call you right back. And so we just kind of stared at each other and the Holy Spirit spoke so clearly with such peace. He said, yes, just say yes. They walked in literally with a trash bag to their name. Um, they walked in in ratty clothes, and you could just tell that they were almost in a state of shock. Like they, they hadn't processed what just happened. They were literally just ripped from their homes, which apparently is the, the norm. I remember that night when we were going to bed, we had now four kids in our under our roof. I remember Natalie turned over to me and said, you know in the morning they're gonna ask us to keep the girls, right? And I said, yeah. And what's your answer gonna be? Yeah. Because we both had such peace about this and I think God had just broken our hearts. But more importantly, He had warmed our hearts to these girls and we knew that if not us, then who? And that just really rung in my mind that if they were not in our care, they're either going to go to another foster family or worse, Um, and that truly their their lives are in our hands. And so uh, exactly as Natalie predicted, the very next morning we got a phone call that they asked us, so are they gonna stay in your care?
0: they started to grow just so much just in in their person. Like as individuals, um, you know, one would have emotional breakdowns just over anything, just high anxiety all the time. And we've just noticed recently that like with stability and love and encouragement, like most of those, you know, emotional breakdowns are very, very few and far between. One of them, you know, woke up, like came in with anger, she would just, lash out at our our sister. We taught her how to like talk through it um, and use words rather than you know getting violent or you know just screaming and so these girls quickly just became part of our family.
2: One day uh, the girls were outside playing with chalk in our driveway. After they were done they came inside I looked outside to see what they had been working on and then right there on the doorstep one of them had written, this is the best house in the neighborhood because this is God's house. And that just blew our minds. We had never coerced her to say that or to, to uh, think that. Um, but I do know that every day when they've been in our care, we've prayed over them. And we pray at meals, and we pray with them before school, and we kiss them goodnight, we tuck them in, and we do these things to show them love. And ultimately, we point it to God, and we point it to God's love for us. No way you got that! <laughs> Foster care, by a long shot, is the hardest, most challenging thing we have ever done in our entire lives, but it is also the most rewarding never seen such blessing in my life. I've never seen the community rally around us in such a powerful way. Honestly, I don't feel like we've sacrificed anything that had much meaning. So, no, I don't watch Netflix all day, and no, I don't play video games all day, but the things that I spend my time on now have such significance to me and have so, such significance for others that it's incredibly fulfilling.
0: and God winks in our home, like of the girl's story of this, like they're ours forever to them bringing up the conversation. Like, can we just stay here forever? Can you just adopt us by now? One of the girls would um, would come up to me like, are you my real mom yet? And I'm like, no, I mean, like, there's a long process. There's paperwork. I talked to that judge lady and she said that she heard me say that I wanted to stay with you forever. What's taking her so long? What's her issue?
2: So on August 21st, 2018, we got to celebrate. These girls are now eligible for adoption, and we are extremely excited to say that uh, they they are now on track to be adopted by us by the end of the year. It's scary, and every step of this process has been scary, but God has provided every step of the way, and we have every uh, bit of faith knowing that He will continue to provide In Gwinnett County alone, there are over 800 foster children that do not have homes today. And it would only take about three to four hundred families to step up and to say yes to foster care to eradicate it from Gwinnett County.
1: Sacrifice is beautiful, isn't it? See, what they discovered is the most meaningful and rewarding things in life live on the other side of sacrifice. See, those two girls showed up at the house angry, and broken, lacking trust, and just putting a roof over their head and giving them a room doesn't change them like they were changed. You get that, right? It's not the house. It's not the room that, that changed Those girls, let me tell you what I think changed those girls. See, here's a statement that might be worth writing down. Value is determined by sacrifice. It's not in your blanks, but just wanna write it down. Value is determined by sacrifice. Here's what I mean. If you're trying to sell something that I'm not willing to give you anything for, it's not very valuable. If you're trying to sell me something I'm willing to give you a lot for, it's valuable. See, value is determined by how much someone is willing to give up or sacrifice for it. And those two girls had never experienced value before. And when they brought them into their home, Stephen and Natalie sacrificed their freedom, their flexibility, some sleep, their house, and they gave those girls their sacrifice. And in turn, those girls were given value. And value changes you. See, we understand this because Jesus sacrificed greatly for us. Therefore, we that in and of itself gives us value. We get that, right? But we live in a world that just like those two girls don't realize the sacrifice Jesus made for them and therefore don't realize how much value God has, how much love God has for them. And that is why live sent matters so much. That is why we have to sacrifice because when we sacrifice, we're demonstrating that they have value, not just to us, but to God. And so we, our, our prayer ultimately in live sent is that as we sacrifice and assign value to people that they would eventually be pointed to the sacrifice that Jesus meant, the ultimate value they have for their life. And that means that next weekend on Live Scent Dave, it's not just you going and mowing a lawn, it's you assigning value to somebody. It's not you taking a meal to a family who's, who's going on with a long sickness and you're helping to take care of them that way. You're, you're assigning value to them. You're not fixing a sink somewhere, you're assigning value to them. The value is what changes people. You see, just like Steve and Natalie, just like Paul Our prayer has been that God would stir your hearts for some place for you to go live sent next weekend. And I'm not dumb. In a church this big, there's about half of y'all that are lined up, rocking and rolling, ready to go. You got stuff lined up, you know what you're doing, and there's half of y'all that are going, this is stupid, why y'all canceling church? Can't we just do, y'all laughing because it's true, Can't can't we just do services next weekend? Listen, we need to shock the system. This is aggressive on purpose. We have to shock the system and lay down convenience and say, we are all in to live sent. And so what I want to do to make this helpful is I want to end very practically. And this is specifically for those of you who have not figured out what you're doing next weekend yet. And what you're thinking is you're going to watch the Falcons next weekend. And I think the spirit of God would say, I want to invite you into something that is the most meaningful thing you can be a part of. And that's the kingdom of God. So here's how I wanna do it. I wanna use the same two questions that Stephen and Natalie used inside of their story. And I think those two questions are great guiding questions for us. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. The first one, what is my capacity? What is my capacity? And that, that's a question about taking inventory. In other words, I believe that God has given you capacity. For Stephen and Natalie, they had two rooms. Their capacity was, was two rooms. What is your capacity? See, I think God's put things in you, entrusted things to you, put things into your hands that he's inviting you to use to live sin. Some of y'all, you can bake and you can cook so well, it's like slap your mama good. It's just, it's good. You know how to work it in the kitchen. It's good days. If so, live sin. Anyway, y'all know how to do that. I'm kidding, I'm trying to lose weight. Don't do that, that'd be very bad. Some of y'all, God's given you that ability. How can you use that to live sin? Some of y'all, you know how, you got like skills. You, you know how to do plumbing and electrical and, and framing and woodwork. How, how can you use what God's put in your hands to live sin? Take inventory. You have God-given capacity. Some of y'all, you have the ability, you, you've never met a stranger. You could talk to a wall for an hour and keep it entertained, right? Like you, you never met a stranger. Maybe you gather your neighborhood together and just create an environment where you guys get to hang out and get to know each other and you get to place value on your neighbors. Take inventory. What is your capacity? Whatever God has given you, he's given it to you so that you can use it for his kingdom's sake. And you're gonna think I'm, I'm giving you a silly homework assignment. I want you to go write it down. Go actually write down. You'll be surprised. Go write it down, not just for you, but for your family, your spouse and you, your small group, collectively, your friend group. What are the things that God's entrusted to us, and how can we use those things to live sent, not just next week, but in life? God has given you capacity. Second question, and I think it's really helpful. You see, Steve and Natalie... God gave them two empty rooms. God stirred their heart for kids. There was a great need for foster kids, uh, serving foster kids in the area. So what did they do? They took action. This is our take action question. It's this, if not me, then who? That's a great live sent question. And one that I hope haunts us all in a good way this week. If not me, then who? The answer to that question is no one. You know, God put you in your world, wherever you're on map, wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play, God put you in your world and you are the solution to your world. And so if not you, then no one. For Stephen and Natalie, that was a haunting question. When they locked eyes with those two girls, they realized, I cannot fathom sending them back out into the system. If not us, then who? That is true for you as well. In fact, it says in uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10, here's what it says about us. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. I fully believe God has prepared sort of divine appointments for this church, for you, next weekend. And our response in this room is right now to decide, God, I am going to do something next week. It might be massive, It might be simple, I don't know what it looks like, but we are going to do something good for the kingdom of God next weekend. I don't know if you're gonna go fix a single mom sink or if you're gonna just go tip generously. I don't know what God's entrusted. Maybe you've got financial resources and you're just gonna gonna go on a blessing spree, blessing and tipping waiters and waitresses. I hope next Sunday waiters are talking around this county going, what happened? All the tips went from junky after church to awesome after church. What, what happened? You know we're known for like being super cheap, right? Like People don't like working the church crowd. Let's change that next week. Let's go live sent, let's bless people. See, we have to decide right here, right now, I am all in, God. If not me, then who? And the answer is no one. God has prepared good works for you to do next week for his kingdom's sake. See, we're inviting all of us to go live sent, but I wanna, I wanna come back to the foster care conversation. At the end of Stephen and Natalie's story, you probably heard him say there's about 800 foster care, or foster kids in foster care in our territory. And then if just three or 400 12 stone families would step up, we could solve that. I think we should do that, don't you? I think that would sit at the heart of God for us to say, we could actually solve that in a weekend. So maybe you were sitting and listening to the story of Stephen and Natalie and God started to stir in your heart and you're going, oh no, God, you're stirring this foster care thing. There's spouses elbowing each other right now in this moment. I know there is. And you're going, I, I, I got to explore that. We've, we've created uh, a foster care information gathering next Sunday for Live Sent Sunday at 4 o'clock right here at the Central Campus. This might be the most profound way that you can Live Sent next and is by saying, I'm going to show up 4 o'clock right here. And you can go online 12son.com slash foster care and you can let us know RSVP, so we know which room to sort of hold this thing in. There might be hundreds of you or thousands of you, I don't know. But that might be the most profound way you live sent next weekend is by saying, I'm gonna go explore what it looks like to be a foster parent or to support people who are fostering kids. You don't have to necessarily be a foster parent. Some of y'all are going, dang it, we got like five rooms open in our house. What am I gonna do with that? They only had two. I, I think God might stir our hearts to do that. If that's you, you can jump in. On top of that, We wanted to serve those who are already fostering. And so this Friday night, we've created a date night for all the foster parents in our territory. And we've sort of worked through our partners and invited them. And we've invited all of our children's ministry volunteers who already have background checks and are already in, they get a chance to make that, if they so desire, their live sent active services to show up here and watch these kids so we can give foster parents a much needed date night so they can be, they can know their kids are taken care of and they can go recharge their batteries. And I love that we get to be a part of that. If you're a foster parent or no one, you can feel free to send them online, twelve slash, I think it's child or date night, that's it, 12.com slash date night, and we get a chance to actually bless and care for those who are already fostering kids. You see, we think that's at the heart of God. Whether it be foster care, whether it be across the street in your neighborhood, whether it be somewhere with one of our local partners, next weekend, I believe the Spirit of God is gonna stir just like he did in the heart of Paul, just like he did in the heart of Stephen and Natalie, and I pray that this week, God would give us eyes to see places that we could live sent, not just for Live sense sake, but we could Live Sense so that we can help people know they have value to God and value to us. And my ultimate prayer is that six months, 12 months, 18 months from now, we'll have people in baptismal tubs to my right and my left, and their story will start like this. I didn't know Jesus, and then someone came and mowed my lawn. I didn't know Jesus, and someone showed up and brought me dinner. I didn't know Jesus, and then someone showed up and fixed my sink. And that led me down a path to realizing that the, that the God of the universe actually loves me and I value to him and I am loved by him. See, ultimately, I wanna see people say yes to Jesus because we're living sin, amen? So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna pray over us and then Paul's gonna step up and he's gonna give us some details for next week, so let's bow our heads. And so Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And God, I pray that you would give us eyes this week would you, would you create divine appointments for us, divine run-ins where we, we bump into people and places and things that we maybe have passed by for years and never saw before, but you would give us eyes to see it. you give us courage to step in and say, I'm gonna do something about that. And God, help us to be willing to sacrifice. And God, would you be true in this statement that would we find the most meaningful things in life live on the other side of sacrifice. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Amen.